Greetings from England. It is so good to be with you today and my name is Edward and I'm speaking to you from England. Along with my wife Rachel and our two children, we live in the United Kingdom just outside the city of London in a little town called Windsor which is famous because it's where the home of the Queen and the royal family is. And so I'm joining you from there, probably the second greatest city in the world. Of course, the first greatest city is Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. And it is my great joy to join with you the youth ministries of the Full Gospel Assembly in KL. I am disappointed that I can't be with you at the moment, but of course uh, in person because of the pandemic and the COVID-19 that is causing so many problems and it is a difficulty for us to travel at the moment. And I look forward to one day perhaps being with you again in person. But in the meantime, I am so delighted to be able to join your online service today and to minister to you. It is such a blessed church. I just remember, as do my family, the time that we spent with you some years ago and a great opportunity for us to join with you today and to speak into your lives. And as we do so, I want to ask you perhaps one of the most important questions that can be asked, particularly of young people. And that is, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? You have all of your life ahead of you. If Jesus should tarry, then your whole life is ahead of you. What is it that you are going to do with your life? Perhaps there is a more important question than that. What does God want you to do with your life? What does God want you to do with the gift of life that he has given you. Sometimes what we want to do with our lives and what God seeks to do with our lives are different. They are not the same thing. And so in a few moments, I'm going to talk about the call of God upon our lives. But before I do, and before I read from the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, I want to tell you a little story about my own life and experience. It is, in fact, 31 years ago that this incident happened. I was 17 years old. And here in the UK, as part of our education system, if a student chooses to go to university and do degree level studies, they do so around the age of 18. And so as a 17 year old boy, I had decisions to make. I was still at school, I was studying, but I had to decide what I was going to do next and what career I was going to pursue. If I am really honest, I didn't know what career I should pursue. I had different ideas and thoughts, but really I had no burning passion. If I am really honest, I just wanted to live a Christian life and serve God, but I did not know what God wanted me to do with my life. 
And so I was praying about this and it was suggested to me at the school that I was part of that I should consider going to some of our best universities here in England. We have two of the top universities, Oxford and Cambridge. Some of the leading people in the world have studied there. Uh, you can't just apply and expect to go. There are other exam and entrance qualifications that you have to meet. And so I was advised and agreed to take certain exams and studies specifically with the thought of going to Cambridge. And I began to formulate an idea that I would go to Cambridge University, that I would study history, and then I would go into politics. Can you believe? I think about it now these years later. I am so glad that I never pursued that. But at the time I was interested in certainly domestic politics here in the United Kingdom. And so I thought, yes, I'll go get a good degree in history from Cambridge and then I'll go into a political career. It was May time here in the UK, that is spring. And we had one week of vacation from our schooling. And we had, uh, I was still living with my parents, of course, at 17 years of age, and we had a family dog. And so I took this dog for a walk. His name was Pip. I know in certain parts of the world, people laugh at the idea of keeping a dog as a family pet. Well, this in England is quite common. And we had this little dog that was part of our family and I took him for a walk. We walked out of the house, across the road and to some field area uh, opposite where we lived. And I let the dog off the lead, the dog ran off and I began to walk around the perimeter of the field. And I could take you to the very spot in that field where this incident happened. I was walking around the perimeter of the field. I cannot tell you what I was thinking about. I was minding my own business and suddenly, unexpectedly, there was no one else around, I was on my own, I heard the voice of God. Only twice in my life have I heard the voice of God in this way. And people have said to me since, what was it like? How did it sound? Well, all I can say is, it is as if it bypassed my ears and someone had pierced me with an arrow straight in the heart. And God, in a moment of time, spoke to me and said, I have called you to be a preacher and into ministry. That is what I heard God say to me. I have called you to be a preacher and to go into ministry. Well, it was all over in a moment. It cannot have lasted more than half a second. And in that moment, my whole life was changed. I got the dog back, put the dog on the lead, returned home, and I thought, what am I going to do? I am convinced that God has spoken to me. So I went to my room and I knelt down and I began to pray. And I began to say, God, what am I to do? I have heard you say that I am to be a preacher and to go into ministry. And yet I am studying to go to a university. I am studying to go and do, I'm preparing to go and study history. I have a whole career in politics 
forming in my mind and now out of the blue this has happened people will be disappointed how can i tell people that i'm not going to pursue these successful ideas i opened my bible and i said god please speak to me through this book if that was you speaking to me and i believed it was i had no reason to devout to uh, no reason at all to doubt the voice of God. But I said to the Lord, I need to hear from you. Well, I didn't hear anything. I went to bed that night. I slept. I got up the next morning. I didn't hear anything. But during that day, I opened the scriptures and I happened to read Psalm 1. And as I read it, that beautiful psalm, blessed is the man, and then it goes on to talk about the blessings of God. And it talks about the law of the Lord and about meditating on the law of the Lord day and night. And as I read that scripture, God spoke to me in my heart all over again that I would be devoted to the word of God, to preaching and proclaiming the scriptures and the word of God. And he confirmed it to me that I would be a preacher. Two days later, I went to our local assembly. During the middle of the week, we used to have midweek Bible studies. And on that particular occasion, we were going through a series entitled The Second Coming. And I think there were 10 uh, weeks of studies. And the gentleman who was giving these talks and these series of sermons, uh, he was a professor and they were being recorded. We're going back quite a long time now and the digital era hadn't really come upon us like it has now. And these were really old fashioned cameras. And I remember going and sitting in this uh, Bible study meeting in our local church. And they were, these series of talks were being videoed, but on that occasion, something had gone wrong with the equipment. And the preacher stood up to begin his study. And he said, tonight I am supposed to be speaking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus. However, the equipment has broken down and we want to film it because it was being distributed to many churches and many believers across the United Kingdom. So he said, before I came out of the house this evening to come to this Bible study, I thought just in case something goes wrong, I will take the notes for another sermon. He said, I'm so glad I, I did. And so I'm going to talk to you tonight, not about the second coming of Jesus, but I'm going to talk from Psalm 1. And I believe there is someone here tonight who needs to hear this teaching. Someone who needs to hear that God has called them to study and preach the word of God. I sat there amazed. I thought, my goodness, God spoke to me in the field. The next day, God spoke to me in my bedroom through the Bible. Now here I am two days later and a preacher is speaking to me again about the call of God. I went home. I didn't know what to do. That Friday night in our youth ministry, just like your ministry, uh, youth ministry, we had a half night of prayer. That meant from about 8 p.m. in the evening through to about 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning, we met together 
in the church as the youth ministry and we prayed and it was very organized. We spent different times, some of it worshiping, some of it praying in groups, some of it praying individually. And during that time of prayer, a young person came up to me and said, can I pray for you? And as they began to pray for me, he began to prophesy. This was not some great evangelist or a prophet or a pastor. It was just one of my peers, someone in the youth group. And he began to prophesy over me. And he said, this week, God has spoken to you powerfully about your future. And he wants to confirm to you tonight, yes, this is from God and it is the will of God. You are to change tack. Tack in English means the road that you are on. If you get to a fork in the road and you start to go one way, if you change tack, it means you go the other way. And he said, you are to change tack. God is calling you to be a preacher. And then he began to talk about some things in my future, things that already have happened all these years later. I went home that night or the early morning, I went to bed and I really did not know what to do. So I talked to my parents and they weren't ever so enthusiastic about me pulling out of my education at that time. I went to see my pastor who said, well, if this is God, you need to test it. I went to some other elderly people in the church for their advice and everybody said the same thing. Well, I think you should carry on with your education. You should carry on with your plans. And if it is of God that you become a preacher, God will confirm that later. The only problem was I knew that I knew that I knew in my heart that God had spoken to me and that if I pursued my education to Cambridge University, two things would happen. I knew it. One is I would be in disobedience to God himself. And while I might be pleasing everyone else, I might be pleasing my parents and my pastor and the people in the church and other people who were advising me. In fact, in those days, I could not find one single person who agreed with me. And yet I knew that if I did that, I would be in disobedience to God. The other thing that I knew is if I did go to Cambridge University, if I did pursue that angle and go into politics first, that I would probably miss my opportunity and my life would go in a certain direction and I may never ever get the opportunity to do what God was calling me to do. I was in such a quandary and I had just a few days before I returned to school and had to sit an exam and do some further studies for the university, I did not know what to do. It's one of the first times in my life that I fasted and went without food and prayed and sought God. And the words of Jesus in Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. And one of the hardest lessons I had to learn was to put God first and to obey his voice. Well, I took a step of faith and I said, I'm not going to go to Cambridge University. My tutors at school were horrified. My parents weren't pleased. And generally, everybody thought it was a bad decision. But I thought, no, God has called me. God will honor me. Well, for a little while, nothing happened. And uh, in fact, 
The pastor of the church advised me, go get a job, earn a bit of money that will help you when you finally go to Bible college and do training for ministry. Well, it was a very difficult few years, but eventually I raised enough funds. I went to uh, the Bible college. I studied for three years. I came out with a degree, <laughs> even though I hadn't been to a university. And God began to lead me and guide me. And yes, times were difficult. There were situations that I faced which were almost insurmountable. But I am so glad all these years later, as I have ministered in churches, as I have traveled around the world, as I have led people to Jesus, as I've laid hands on the sick and seen them healed, as I've opened the scriptures and preached to people, I am so glad that I obeyed the voice of God. And this is not something that I just thought up in my own imagination. This is something that God spoke. And so I had no choice but to bow my knee and say, Lord Jesus, I will follow you. Wherever you lead, whatever you ask of me, I will follow you. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. That was my story. And God has not failed me. I wonder what plans you have for your life. But more importantly, I wonder what plans God has for your life. I know one thing, it is not God's will for you to be less than he created you to be. It is not God's will for you to fall short of what he has called you to do. It is a good thing to be a faithful member of the local church, but there is more for you than that. It is a good thing to serve in whatever capacity you can within the life of the church. But God has more for you than that. And so this evening, for the rest of my time, I say this evening because I am actually recording this in the evening here in the UK. I have no idea what the time difference will be when you are watching this on Sunday, but I want to talk to you about the call of God and particularly the call of God on your life. And so I'm going to begin by reading from the first chapter of the Old Testament prophet, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter one. And this is what it says. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, son of Anan, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, and until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. <coughs> now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I chose you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, 
you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Let me leave that reading there. But here we have just a very ordinary man. I think sometimes we read the Bible and we regard the characters in scripture as something of super spiritual heroes. Oh, to be an Elijah or an Elisha. Oh, to be an Isaiah or a Jeremiah. But we need to realize that all these characters were men and women just like us. They weren't super people, they weren't special people, they were just ordinary people. Here we have Jeremiah, the son of an ordinary priest in a little place called Anathoth, which was just a few miles outside Jerusalem. There was nothing special about the town. There was nothing special about Jeremiah's father. There was nothing special about his pedigree or his family. There was nothing special about Jeremiah. But when God is calling and choosing people to do a work for him, he doesn't go to the palaces. He doesn't go to the parliaments. He doesn't go to the banks. He doesn't go to the universities. He goes to ordinary men and women. And particularly when he wants a big job doing, he goes to young people, young people in their teens or in their early 20s. Mary was young when God the Holy Spirit spoke to her and she conceived Jesus in her womb. The disciples were all young men when Jesus called them to follow him and to become fishers of men. And so here we have just a very ordinary man. And it says that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. He says it, the Lord, the word of the Lord came to me. Jeremiah did not go looking for a word. The word came looking for him. He didn't go seeking after God. God came seeking after Jeremiah. Now, there are people who are always wanting a word from God. Every time a visiting preacher comes, have you got a word for me? Every time someone is prophesying, they get in the line because they want a word from God. That's not what happened here. Jeremiah was minding his own business, getting on with his life, and God came to Jeremiah. And that can happen to you today. I am convinced there are people watching this on this Sunday and you are minding your own business, getting on with your life. God wants to interrupt your life and the word of the Lord wants to come to you today. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord? I think it's a great thing that God doesn't go just to certain people when he wants something doing. He goes to the Marys of this world, the Peters of this world, the Jeremiahs, the ordinary young people of Kuala Lumpur. 
God has a word for you. <coughs> this was the word. Before I formed you in the womb. Wow. Before I formed you in the womb, I chose you and I knew you. One of the greatest mysteries of the Christian faith is that God chose us and knew us even before we were born. Christ, it says, who died at the cross, was the sacrificial lamb of God, not just at Calvary 2000 years ago, but he was actually the lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world, before the world had been created, before any generations had come into being, God had already looked down the years of history and he had already decided that he would send his son to die upon the cross for our sins, to redeem us and to save us and to call us to follow him. Long before you were born, God knew you. Long before you were conceived in your mother's womb, God had already chosen you. You thought you chose God when you accepted Christ into your heart. But I'm sorry to tell you, you were late to the party. <laughs> you were simply the last one to find out that God had already chosen you. And he says here to Jeremiah, before you were even in the womb of your mother, I chose you. He knew the history of Israel that would unfold. He knew that he needed a prophet and he chose his man, Jeremiah, ahead of time. And there is a work to be done in the world and God has chosen you to do it. You may not be aware of it yet. It might not be clear in your mind. You might not even understand what God wants from your life. But God has already chosen you. You are chosen. Chosen to be saved and chosen to serve him. Will you hear the word of the Lord today that God has chosen you for service? There is some great work for you to do. That is why often when God calls, we find that we already have within us a burning passion. I know that from an early age, I had a passion for the scripture. And when I heard the call of God to become a preacher, it made sense to me because the passion was already there. Some years later, when I heard the voice of God again to be involved in global missionary work and to serve God in different nations of the world, again, it was a passion that God had put in me already. Before I was formed in my mother's womb, God had chosen me and God has chosen you. What has he chosen you for? He says, before you were in the womb, I chose you and before you were born, I consecrated you. Now, what does that mean to be consecrated? We have here in <coughs> the United Kingdom, land that is consecrated. What that means is it is circled and set apart for a particular use and you cannot use that land for anything else. 
And so certain land is consecrated for churches. And historically, the kind of old churches that date back to the time of Henry VIII or even before that, many hundreds of years old, the land that the church stands on is consecrated. They cannot knock the church down and build offices on it or build shops on it. it that land by deed is consecrated and set apart for a particular purpose. They do the same here with graveyards. Certain land is consecrated. It means set apart. Certain land is consecrated as royal land. You can't uh, do anything with it. It's for the royal family. It's for palaces. And here we read that Jeremiah, as well as being chosen by God, was consecrated by God. Now, in the Old Testament, often people were consecrated to the priesthood. And if you were set apart and consecrated to the priesthood, you couldn't do anything else. You couldn't have any other job. You had to be a priest because you were set apart and consecrated for that work. Even in the temple, furniture was consecrated. Candles were consecrated. Even the perfume that was used in the incense was consecrated. They weren't allowed to use it for any other purpose. You couldn't buy it for your girlfriend or for your wife. It was impossible because it was consecrated from the very beginning, set apart for a holy purpose. And that's what God said to Jeremiah here. I have consecrated you. Even before you were born, you were set apart for a task. Now, there were lots of people in the scripture who were set apart for a task. Even uh, Samson, as an example, in the Old Testament, before he was born, the angel appeared to his parents and said he is set apart for a particular purpose. When he is born, don't cut his hair, don't allow him to drink wine because I have set him apart and consecrated him as a Nazarite. That's just one example. A New Testament example would be John the Baptist. There's Zechariah in the temple and the angel appears to him and says you're going to have a son and then he begins to speak about this son. He is not going to be an ordinary child but he is consecrated and set apart with an Elijah ministry of preparation for the coming of the Lord. Consecrated. Jeremiah was consecrated. God has consecrated you. There's a beautiful verse of scripture in the New Testament, where Paul says to the church, you are not your own. You were bought at a price, the precious blood of Christ. He says that to me today. I am not my own. My life is not my own. I have been bought at a price. Now I belong to Jesus and he can do with me as he sees fit. And I would say to you today who are watching this service, you don't belong to yourself. You are not the master of your own destiny. If you have received Christ as your savior, if you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus as your savior and your Lord, your life is no longer your own. You belong to Jesus. Jesus has paid for you at the cross. He has shed his blood to purchase you. You have been redeemed by Jesus and you belong to him and your life is consecrated to him. 
I believe every single one of us has to go through our own Garden of Gethsemane. I went through my Garden of Gethsemane in that story that I told you. And I have been through many similar situations since where I have had to say to God in the struggle that I'm going through, not my will, but your will be done. Will you say yes to Jesus? Will you recognise today that you were chosen before you were born and that God has consecrated you and set you apart for a holy purpose? What has God consecrated you for? Well, he goes on. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. In other words, he was commissioned. Jeremiah was chosen, he was consecrated, and then he was commissioned. It is an amazing thing to be commissioned by an earthly monarch. Here in the United Kingdom, the Queen or members of the royal family will commission all kinds of people, military leaders, political leaders, religious leaders, and they are commissioned, appointed, given a holy task to do. Well, God also gives a commission to his children. There is the general commission to the whole church that we are to go into all the world to preach the gospel to all creation and also to go into the world and make disciples of all nations there in Matthew 28, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that he commanded. There is a commission to the church, but within that, there is a commission to each of us individually. God commissioned me to be a preacher and to be a missionary around the world. God has commissioned you to a certain task. He's chosen you, he's consecrated you, and he's commissioned you. And it's not a commission that comes from people. It's a commission that comes from God. When Paul the Apostle was converted on the road to Damascus, he received a commission from God. He heard the voice of God and then the prophet came to him, prayed for him, and he was commissioned to be an apostle and a carrier of the gospel to the Gentiles. That was his personal commission from the Lord. There is a commission for you. Today, God has something for you to do. You are commissioned to serve him and to fulfill what he has put on your life. And then he says, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah had a call. The call of God was to be a prophet to the nations. I had a call of God to become a preacher and a missionary. And you have a call upon your life. The call of God is varied. There are many things that God calls people to do. You may be called to be a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist or a prophet. You may be called to serve in a local church. You may be served to uh, called to industry. You may be called to education. You may be called to serve the poor. You may be called to be a voice in this world of injustice. You might be called to be a missionary somewhere, to be a school teacher, to run an orphanage. There may be one of a thousand things, but there is a call upon your life. 
And when the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, he knew what the call of God was upon his life, to be a prophet to the nations. <coughs> and when the word of the Lord came to me, I knew what the call of God was on my life, to be a preacher and a missionary. And when God calls you, you will know what the call of God is on your life. Well, of course, his immediate response, this is what Jeremiah says, two things, I don't know how to speak and I'm only a youth. Mm. Immediately, he was aware of his inadequacies. He was aware of the impossibility of being able to fulfill the call of God. How can I be a prophet and how can I be a prophet to the nations? Number one, I can't even do any public speaking. <laughs> I remember the first time I did public speaking, I was called to preach and I prepared and I had to stand up in front of our youth ministry and I preached about Joseph and I prepared, I included in my sermon everything I knew about Joseph. Most of it came from the musical, uh, Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. But anyway, I preached everything I knew and I stood there sweating and I thought, oh my goodness, this must be the longest sermon ever. I thought I'd been an hour preaching. And when I sat down, I preached for four minutes. <laughs> and uh, I thank God for a youth pastor who took me to one side, gave me a bit of advice, but said, yes, you've got the call, keep going. I know what Jeremiah felt like. <coughs> he said, I can't speak. I don't have the experience or the ability. And that's one of the tests when God speaks to us and we sense the call of God to do something, we immediately feel inadequate, that we don't have what it takes to do it. This task is too big for me. God can't have called me because I'm the wrong person for the job. Just like Moses, many years previous, he said the same thing. I can't possibly go and stand before Pharaoh and speak. I'm inadequate. Well, many people have said that. Perhaps today you have a task in front of you and you're scared. You think it's too big. I can't possibly take this on. They are asking me to do something and I'm not capable of doing it because it's just little old me. That is often confirmation that it is genuinely God at work. God doesn't call people to do what they can already do in their own strength because then they get the glory. God calls people to do what they cannot do in their own strength. They have to rely entirely on God so that he alone gets all the glory. Well, he said, I'm only a youth. Yeah. Reminds me of Timothy. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, do not let anybody look down on you because you are young, but set an example to everybody else in the church and in the community. <coughs> Be an example. Well, that applies to you today. You might say, well, I'm only young. The church is full of old and more experienced, wiser people. They know their Bibles. They've got testimonies of God answering prayer. They've been serving God for years. I'm just little old me. I'm still young. Let me tell you, God uses young people. When he wants to start a revival, he chooses young people to start it with. When God wants to do something new in the earth, it's always or nearly always young people that he chooses. Don't let people look down on you and don't look down on yourself. You are called. Don't despise your youth.
but celebrate the fact that you as a young person have remembered your creator and that you are open to be used by God. Well, God said, do not say I am only a youth. Go to everybody I will send you and speak what I tell you to speak. And this brings us to the core of the message today. God spoke to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to him and he heard the voice of God. The word of the Lord came to me all those years ago and I heard the voice of God. And today on this Sunday, I believe God is speaking to people today. I believe the word of the Lord is coming to you. And God is reminding you that you have been chosen. He's reminding you you've been set apart and consecrated for a role and a task and service for him. He is reminding you he has commissioned you for a task and he is calling you today. But this is the point. What do we do with the call of God? And here in this scripture, it says that the Lord put out his hand and touched Jeremiah's mouth. Because he was to be a prophet, he needed to be able to speak. And he said, I can't speak, I'm inadequate. And the Lord reached out and with a supernatural touch, he touched the lips of Jeremiah and opened his mouth. And today, God, the Holy Spirit, wants to come to you and to touch you. The hand of the Lord is upon you. What are you going to do with the word of the Lord? Today, the Holy Spirit is speaking. Many times in my own Christian experience, I have gone to the front of a church service and I have knelt down and I have wept and I have said, Lord, send me. Another prophet, Isaiah, he cried out to the Lord, here am I, send me. And today, God the Holy Spirit is giving the same word to you. Will you say to him, here I am, send me. Well, today you can't go to the front of a church building because we are all confined to our homes and we are watching church online. But there are many times that I have knelt down at the side of my bed or at the side of my sofa on my own, in my own home when no one else was around and cried out to God and said, here, Lord, I am. Send me, use me, I am here for you. I am not my own, I am yours. Use me. And so today, I want to talk in these final closing moments to you and to say, will you hear the word of the Lord? Will you kneel, not necessarily physically, but you can do if you want, but will you kneel in your heart? Will you submit your will to God? And will you say, here I am, holy, available. As for me, I will serve 
the Lord. The fields, they are white for harvest, but all the laborers are so few. Father, I give myself to help the laboring to reap precious souls unto you. God has a plan for your life. God has a call upon you. And I invite you in these moments as you watch this broadcast to submit your life to him and to say, here I am, Lord, use me. One final thought. When Jesus came by the Sea of Galilee and said to Peter and Andrew and James and John, leave your fishing nets and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I don't think those young men could have possibly imagined the adventure that lay ahead of them. They saw the dead raised, the lepers cleansed, the blind eyes opened, the deaf ears unstopped, demons and evil spirits cast out of people. They were there on the day of Pentecost. They saw miracle upon extraordinary miracle. They went from being ordinary fishermen to dynamic men of God. Who knows what adventure God has in store for you? Will you, like Jeremiah, bend your will and your knee to God and say, Father, I will serve you with my whole life. If you want to send me into my local church to be the best Christian ever, I will go. If you want to send me into industry, I will go. Into medicine, I will go. Into education, I will go. If you want to send me overseas to another country to serve you and to preach the gospel, Lord Jesus, I will go because I want to serve you. Let me pray for you right where you are, if it is possible. Close your eyes, lift up your hands to the Lord. If you are on your own and no one else is around, maybe you even want to kneel down today. But I want to pray for you today. Holy Spirit, come, I pray. And Holy Spirit, I pray for every person in the youth ministry of the full gospel assembly in KL. And I pray, Spirit of God, come upon them now in the name of Jesus. Open their eyes to see you. Unstop their ears to hear the word of the Lord. May you clarify to them what it is you want them to do. Speak to them in these moments, I pray, in the name of Jesus. One final thing before I close. It's possible that there are people watching this broadcast today and you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. You go to church, maybe your family go to church, but you have never received Christ yourself. I know it's possible to be in church as part of a church family and to say all the right things and do all the right things, but not to have a personal relationship with Jesus. But you know today that you need to be saved. And so I'm going to pray and ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I bow my knee. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross and shedding your blood for me. Thank you for rising again from the dead to be my saviour. Today I am sorry for my sin. 
I choose to turn away from all that is wrong and from all my sin. I ask you to come into my life to be my saviour and to cleanse me and to be my Lord. And I decide today that I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. It has been a great honour and a great privilege to join with you today in worship. Thank you so much. You are a great group of people. You are part of a great church. You are part of a marvellous ministry of youth in that city of Kuala Lumpur. And I pray the blessing and the goodness and the favour of God upon you. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and may the Lord put fire into you and make his face shine upon you. God bless you in Jesus' name.